Hello, this is Donna Reish of Character Inc. Welcome to another episode of Wondering Wednesday, a podcast in which Character Inc. answers your questions about parenting, homeschooling, marriage, teaching, language arts, writing, grammar, and more. Today, I call this episode, What to Do About Toddler Troubles. I have done a couple of podcast episodes specifically about one-year-olds and about toddlers, primarily because I have a 16-month-old grandson, our very first grandchild, Jason. And so I'm right in the middle of uh, having a lot of flashbacks to those days of toddlers and preschoolers, but specifically one-year-olds. And some of the issues surrounding that. I see uh, my son-in-law Joseph and and daughter Cammy uh, working with Jason, trying to turn around behaviors that are not acceptable and doing a great job with him. But then things come up all the time that I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. That's how we did this. Or, oh yeah, this is one of the things that you can do to solve this problem or that problem. Specifically, I spoke a couple of weeks ago about... Uh, early childhood parenting at a convention and had just a ton of questions about toddlers, about making that transition from babyhood to two years old, from maybe 15 months up to 36 months, but especially around that period of time between 14, 16, 17 months when you need to start getting more serious about some of the behaviors that are unacceptable that maybe your toddler is exhibiting. First of all, I have two tests I would like to bring before you. The first test is for you as a mom or a dad. And it answers those problems and those questions that you might have, such as, can I get my toddler to stay in the high chair during a meal? Can I persuade my little one to stay in his bed and play for a half an hour or to go to bed at night in his crib when I put him in bed? These are questions that a lot of parents feel paralyzed by during this time period. It can seem like, and and this is really funny because I've just been seeing on Facebook recently how people have been writing, what happened to my one-year-old? What happened to my baby? Where'd my baby go? This is replaced. He's been replaced with something that I don't recognize. And there's a period of time, and we teach this extensively in our Raising Kids with Character Parenting Seminar, especially the ones about babies and toddlers. But there's a period of time in which the wants and the needs for a baby diverge. And they're no longer the same. At first, when a baby is born, his wants and needs are the same. He needs and wants fed, held, warmed, you know, changed, all of those things. And those are not things that are negotiable. Those are not things that you should you should consider, well, should I do this or not? The needs and wants are the same. But there comes a period of time, four months, five months, when those start to diverge. And then you start to say, it's a need to be fed It's a want to be walked around the house every night to get him to sleep. And so what happens then a little bit later, 12 months, 14 months, is that there are a lot of things that you realize, you know, things should be different. I should be able to put him in the high chair at mealtime. I should be able to put her in bed at bedtime. And you just can't seem to get a handle on that. So this first test is for you. And we call it the car seat test. And it's got one simple answer, yes or no, 
And one simple question. The test question is to mom or dad, can you put your baby in a car seat while you drive down the road? Did you put him in a car seat when he was born from birth? And are you still doing that when you go someplace? If the answer is yes, then the answer to, can I get him to stay in the high chair? Can I get him to stay in the crib? The answer to those questions is also yes. And you've just proven to yourself, you know what? I was able to do this. I was able to put the baby in the car seat, to train him to stay there, to make him be safe while I drive. I was able to do that, so I'm also able to do this. My husband often used this one on me as we were having small children. And I said, you know, I just can't get him to whatever. You know, come when I call, not say no, whatever it might have been. And he was always like, we made him sit in the car seat. We made him sit in the high chair. You can make this happen too. And so essentially what we are saying is that if we can do something as hard as making a child sit in an uncomfortable car seat every time we get in the vehicle to go anywhere, then we can certainly make him do these behaviors that are appropriate for a 14, 16, and 18-month-old toddler. The next test is for your baby. It's for your toddler. And this question, or this test, concerns whether or not he is able to understand you well enough to follow your instructions. For example, when he's throwing food down and you tell him to stop throwing food and you take the food off the tray and you start to try to train him not to throw food, you start to wonder, well, what if he doesn't understand me? What if he doesn't know what I mean? What if it's not clear in his little mind? What if when I say no, he doesn't know what I mean by no? What if when I say come back to mommy, he doesn't know what that means? And so you can use this test to assure yourself that your toddler does know what you mean and therefore move on with your child training of your toddler. This question, test question, one simple question, one answer is for your toddler. Is he able to give you high five? That's why we call this the high five test. Is he able to give you high five or could you train him to if you tried to? If after a if you said, give me five, and you held it up high, and you had him, you held up his hand, and you smacked your hand, and you said, yeah, give me five, and you did this for three or four or five days, consistently, several times a day, would he be able to learn to give you high five? If you just held your hand up and said, give mommy high five, give daddy high five. If the answer to that question is yes, then your fears can be allayed and you cannot be concerned about whether he understands or not because he can give you high five. So with those two tests in mind, let's look at some of the toddler troubles. Some of the things that parents have been asking us recently um, about one-year-olds specifically, up to two-year-olds and maybe even a little bit older. The first one involves slapping, and I know my daughter had to deal with this with our grandson, that when she would hold him, he would just start like tapping the side of her face and hitting her at the top of her head and just kind of um, not really hitting her like in a mean manner, but just really just, it, it did hurt. She, he was just tapping too hard. He was just 
really just tap, 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 you know, getting excited and, um, and not, and not controlling himself and, um, you know, slapping her inappropriately. And so, um, that's, this is the first one. And this often happens as early as 10 months old. And, um, this of course is a behavior that you want to solve immediately because you don't want your toddler to be somebody who hits. You don't want your toddler to grow up to harm other people, um, and to hit, to throw things at people, to hit them with things, to pinch, those type of things. And so you don't want any type of striking or harming mommy or daddy to take place. Um, you know, hitting you with something or, you know, over and over or smacking on the side of your face when you're holding him or whatever it might be. And so, um, there are a couple of ways to do this. First of all, I just want to talk about general, uh, punishment at this age because they, they do need punished at this age. We do need to punish them to, to direct their behavior in a different way. Now, there are many things that you can do at this stage and age to, uh, thwart some of these behaviors. You can, of course, start with something as simple as no, put the hands down, no, put his hand down, no, put his hand down. All right. And this again is, of course, assuming that he passes the high five test. Um, and so, you know, you, you're training him. No, you don't hit mommy. No, you don't hit mommy. That's the very, that's, that would be the minimum um, of a correction that you might have for this age you know, getting him out of something, pulling him away from something, putting his hands down, um, holding onto his hands and saying no, that type of thing. And then, of course, depending on how much the behavior continues and what you are comfortable with in terms of punishment, then, you know, the spectrum continues uh, holding him tightly on your lap, holding him firmly, holding his hands down um, if he's uh, doing something inappropriately with his hands, um, carrying him into his crib, putting him in his crib, isolating him, um, and I'm going to talk more about these specifically with these different behaviors, but, um, and also tapping his hands. If you are comfortable with, um, you know, getting him out of something and just tapping his hand and saying, no, I, uh, I'm not advocating slapping or hitting or punching or boxing, just a simple tap on his hands and pull him back away from things. No, simple tap. No, um, just enough to get his attention. That is another, um, uh, alternative, uh, in this, in these areas of punishment and correction at this age. And then of course you can tap him on the behind. Uh, you could, if you're comfortable, use like a little wooden spoon and give him a little tap on his bottom, um, right below his diaper on his little thigh. Um, if he is, is having, doing a behavior, that's another option. I say that's an option because I know that there'll be a lot of people listening who are not comfortable with corporal punishment and they would never spank their child. And so I want to be sensitive to that. Um, and I wouldn't say that you have to spank a toddler in order to train him. Um, I do believe in spanking in certain situations. Um, I definitely believe tapping the hand, tapping the thigh. Um, it, it's not, it's not, you're not striking him. You're not hitting him. You're not pushing on him. You're not doing anything that is violent. You're just getting his attention, so to speak. Um, I will just throw in here, our children are grown, so I can talk freely about spanking um, in our home uh, without concern of anything. Our children are um, 17 to 32. Um, and I will say that uh, we spanked all seven of our children for certain behaviors. Uh, specifically right now, if you 
wonder like if something should, if you should spank for something or if you shouldn't, um, that type of thing, then that's not the time to start spanking because it doesn't, if, if you're questioning whether something requires a spank or doesn't require a spank and you really don't have a good handle on different types of behaviors, whether something is a punishable offense or whether something is a character training offense, um, spilling something, forgetting something, those are all character training offenses and they need, and you want to use teaching with that. So if you're questioning whether something should be spankable or punishable in a, in a way like that, then I recommend not spanking because it doesn't, you need to have a firm handle on the types of behaviors before you implement spanking in any way. So, but if you do spank or swat your child's behind, that is another option. And um, if you're comfortable with that, that's that's fine for you. I wanted to say that with our seven children, we did spank for um, what we called the four Ds. And um, what I was getting ready to mention was that I have a podcast episode called Terms and Concepts from Raising Kids with Character Parenting Seminar. So if you are unsure what I'm talking about when I say like a punishable offense, a 4D, like disobedience, disrespect, destruction, or deceit, those are the 4Ds, as opposed to a character training offense, if you're not sure what that means, but you're interested in learning more about that, and I really recommend it because we should not treat all behaviors the same, and we should train and teach our children character areas, um... And we should take the four D's much more seriously. So anyway, if you are interested in that, that is another podcast episode um, that you can find at Character Inc. blog and um, also at um, iTunes. And it is on Wondering Wednesday podcast episodes. And that one is called Concepts and Terms from Raising Kids with Character Parenting Seminar. So anyway, these are all of the different types of um, behave, uh, um, punishments or um, handling of various situations. So back to the slapping the face, slapping the head, that type of thing. Oh, I'm sorry. I was about to tell you about spanking our children for the four Ds, that we did spank our seven children for uh, behaviors that we called the four Ds. And I always like to tell people that because um, not necessarily to persuade somebody to start spanking because I don't want to be responsible for your type of discipline. Um, you know, I want you to choose that. But for somebody who is always hearing how corporal punishment leads children to be violent, or it, you know, you spank your child, he hits somebody else, or, you know, you tap your child's hand, he's going to hit. And um, I have a really remarkable story actually about that. And that is that we uh, spanked our children for the four D's, as I just mentioned, all seven of them from toddlerhood until um, they were, we no longer spanked, and that was various ages, depending on the child and the maturity and so forth. Um, and all seven of our children are some of the most peaceable adults that you could ever meet. And I also want to add that when they were growing up at home, I cannot remember a time, I'm sure it happened, but I can't remember a time that our children struck other people or each other. So 
you know, they never hit each other. They never hurt each other. They never threw things at each other, bit each other, pulled each other's hair, scratched. They didn't harm one another. And that was with seven children. And so um, I just I just like to tell parents who are concerned, who do spank, but are concerned about hearing those type of things, that that was just not our experience at all. And I think it would be a little bit different if we only had a couple of kids and that happened. But the fact that it happened in a home with seven children, with children who did not really fight or even argue very much, um, but definitely never harmed one another in spite of being spanked um, for the four Ds, I think is a pretty remarkable um, study, so to speak, <laughs> of seven children. They were all raised the same way. And we always emphasized, you know, respect and obedience and those type of things with our children. So back to the slapping. Sorry about that little um, detour there uh, and the disorganization of it. Anyway, back to the slapping of mommy's head or face or whatever. Um, you really want to stop that behavior. You do not want him to, to slap, hit anybody. Um, really, t- toddlerhood is when you need to stop any type of harming of other people. And so at that, at that stage, you know, you can begin by pulling his hand down and saying no. Pulling his hand down and saying no. And you need to be very, very firm. Um, also, just generally speaking, harming somebody is harming somebody or telling you no is much more serious than like if he were just an inquisitive toddler and getting into something, you know, you're going to say no to that. You're going to pull him out. And then if he goes back, then he would be, you know, obviously disobeying you, but you want your, your no to be firm, especially in dealing with behaviors that are mean or that are complete disobedience. So in the case of, of slapping, uh, your face or head, pull his hand down and, very firmly say no. Now, if he pulls his hand loose and he comes back up to, to do it again, then you need to pull his hand back down and say no. Now, if he continued to do that at that point, I would probably tap him on the behind, get his attention and say, no, don't slap mommy's face. But if you're not comfortable with that, I would definitely hold his arms down. Do not let him continue to hit you and strike you. Hold his arms down and say, we don't hit mommy. No. And he might cry and he might throw a fit. And that's why these kind of trainings are best done at home. But just do not allow that. If he does throw such a fit that you can't actually physically handle him, as far as like holding him on your lap and holding his arms down and saying no, then um, we recommend carting him in and putting him in his bed right away. Um, We did use the crib for a lot of training purposes between 14 and 24 months, Um, especially, and that's why it's so important to have a routine where you're at home enough that you can do a lot of these training things with your toddler. But um, at that point, if he was just uncontrollable, we would carry him in his crib, put him in the bed, no toys, no noise, no, um, uh, music, you know, sound makers and so on and so forth. And we, and we deposit him in the crib and we'd say, no, you don't hit. We don't hit. That's not nice. And then I would say, you stay here until you're ready to be nice. And he, you know, if he's screaming and throwing a fit, that's fine. You know, he's safe. He's in his crib. It's better than you know, doing it out on the floor or hitting you while he does it or whatever. And then say, when you're ready to be nice, mommy will be back. Dart out of the room. And the minute you hear 
the second you hear him quiet down, run back into the room and, and pick him up and say, you're quiet. Mommy likes it when you're not throwing a fit. Are you ready to be nice? And maybe even take his hand and rub it on your face. Say, you know, you be soft with mommy and then rub his face. Mommy's soft with you and so forth. So definitely uh, control that behavior. And the next one is one that was brought up to us recently. And this was a toddler who, when she wasn't getting her own way, she would hit her head on the floor until actually she was bruising herself and she even had a little, little cut. And, um, you know, we talked to her, this mom about putting the toddler in the crib and she said, no, it's worse there because she hits her head on the slats of the crib. And so, um, uh, we recommended that she put up her pack and play, that she open up her pack and play and, uh, it's soft, you know, netting kind of edges, probably not as harmful to the child and stick the child in there until she's done throwing a fit. Um, one of the real keys to using a crib in training a toddler is to be sure that as soon as the fit, the screaming, the no, the violent outburst, whatever has subsided, that you are right in there. We waited outside the door oftentimes and waited for that behavior to change so that we could dart right in and praise the child and affirm the child and confirm that kind of, that his, his new behavior, his quieter behavior and so forth. And if it continued, we just put him right back down in the crib until he was quiet again. We have, um, just a really, uh, cute story or a lot of cute stories. Actually, our seventh child was a strong willed child. We always say that we had six fairly easy kids. I mean, not, kids are never easy. There are always situations, you know, that you have to deal with. And we always, you know, really took the time and parented and really handled those situations. I just encourage you to do that. This is your job right now. This is what you're supposed to be about. So just dig in and do those things. But our seventh one uh, was much harder than the other six. And he was very strong willed. And, um, so he would, uh, just have terrible, at about 16 months, he started having terrible high chair behavior and was really just uncontrollable. And we had, um, of course the dining room was downstairs and the boys' bedroom. And he was in with his three brothers, uh, within his crib, his crib was in that room and that was upstairs. And so we had to, it was so bad that he had to go up in his crib every night for at least a couple of months. There wasn't a, there was never a meal that he didn't have to go to the crib. Um, it was very hard training. It was very hard work. And, and we joke around and say, you know, that he qualifies us to do raising kids with character and to speak at homeschool conventions and to write uh, parenting blogs. But the truth of the matter is it's not just a joke. He really did sort of qualify us because we have now, uh, you know, a, a whole arsenal of, um, tips and tools and strategies and advice to give to parents. But because he had to go to his crib every night and because I had just at this time actually had a stillborn uh, baby, our eighth baby was stillborn and had just had um, emergency hysterectomy and, and um, so forth um, due to a ruptured uterus and and just a nightmarish situation. But at any rate, um, I couldn't carry him and I couldn't take him up the stairs. And, um, 
my husband actually had the high chair right beside him and he was working on all the high chair training during this time um, every night. But we would have designated a runner, what we called a runner. And uh, each of the older kids, he was the seventh, so the older kids were like 15 down to his age. So they were two to 15 or or three to 15, probably. No, he was 16 months. So they were probably four to six, four to 16 at this time. And so the four older kids were each designated as runners different nights. And so the minute he would start his behaviors, you know, my husband would hold his hand down, smack his hand, take his food away, you know, so on. And until, and when the screaming got bad, the fit got bad, then, um, the different runners, the different kids would run him upstairs and put him in the crib. And just the sweetest, sweetest thing. I mean, our kids just really pick up on everything they see or hear us doing. And uh, they would carry him up and it was one boy and then three girls were the the older kids and you would just hear them on the way up, you know, carrying him up and he'd just be screaming and kicking and thrashing and, and, you know, you'd hear the kid, the, the, the brother or sister, you know, mommy and daddy don't want you to do this. Mommy and daddy don't want you to scream and throw fits. Brother doesn't want you to scream and throw a fit. Sissy doesn't want you to scream and throw a fit. We want you to be nice, Jakey. And he did, I just, you heard this child over the roar of this, this toddler. And then he'd put him in the bed and he or she put him in the bed. And then you'd hear her say, now you stay here till you're done screaming. When you're done screaming, we want you to come back. We love you. We want you to be at the table. We want you back. And, and then she would come downstairs. And as soon as it got quiet, she'd run back up. After all, she was the runner. She'd run back up. And then you'd hear, she'd open the door and she'd say, look how good you are. Look at what good behavior you're having. Sissy's so proud. Sissy's so proud. Come here. Come back with us. You know, and then she'd carry him downstairs and just really, really precious, precious memories in spite of such a difficult time in, in our in our whole family life, actually. So anyway, the hitting the head, the safety of the porter crib or the or the pack and play is what we recommended. Um, and then when she, when she stops thrashing, hitting her head, whatever, to swoop her up right away, praise her for that lull in the behavior, so to speak. Um, you know, you want her to see a difference between the bad behavior and the good behavior, a drastic difference. Okay, next I'd like to talk about saying no, which is often a toddler's favorite word. And um, we were kind of unique parents, I guess, in that... Um, we never let our kids tell us no. And um, once they started saying no, we would train them not to say no. We put our fingers over their lips and we would say, don't, don't say no. Don't say no to mommy. Don't say no to mommy. Um, I'm talking about no when you say, you know, come to mommy, no, you know, bring mommy your shoes, no, you know, whatever. I'm talking about defiance. And, um, and it usually worked, and uh, it wasn't that difficult to to train our our toddlers to not say no. Actually, until of course our strong-willed child, and um, he just would say no to every single thing I said. At this stage, there was one stage in there where everything I said was no, 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 and. Um, we did something that again you might not be comfortable with, but I will tell you that within, you know the day he was, he stopped saying no. And I've heard other parenting experts talk about this as well. And that is, uh, 
what we specifically did was we put a tiny bit of hot sauce on the tip of our finger and we touched it to his tongue. I mean, there couldn't have even been, you know, a tiny, there wasn't even a drop the way we did it. Um, but it did get his attention. I've also heard parents, uh, experts talk about vinegar, you know, just the taste of vinegar. Um, so, you know, hot pepper sauce or, or vinegar, something that tastes just, you know, absolutely horrendous, but it is a food. Um, you know, the whole idea of soap in the mouth, you know, that's a very bad idea. Um, it's not, it's not food. It's not made to be ingested. I, I just can't even believe that I ever had that done or that anybody else ever had that done. And the whole concept of washing the tongue or putting it, you know, rubbing the whole tongue with a bar of soap. is just what we're talking about here is don't say no to mommy. Tink. And you just touch the tongue with hot pepper sauce and, or vinegar. And, um, he'll likely scream louder, you know, and you can hold him until his screaming subsides. Um, but that is one way we handle no. Another way to handle no is, um, you know, put your fingers over his lips and say, don't say no to mommy. If he keeps saying no, 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 put your fingers on his lips, keep saying, don't say no, don't say no. And if he continues in that certain specific episode, then you would, we would take him to the crib and say, you you stay in here until you're ready to not until you're ready to not tell mommy no. And by this time he's probably screaming. So again, when the screaming subsides, is a good time to go in. Okay, the next one is about throwing food, and I uh, talked about this a little bit with our problems with our uh, strong-willed child. But our we had uh, many many high chair behaviors that we had to solve that that took. I mean, literally, it did take a couple of months. And I say that not to discourage you, but just to tell you that things might not be simple. It might not be two times with the vinegar on the tongue um, for no or for biting or whatever that might, you know, whatever you might handle that with. It might take more than that. And the, our high chair behaviors took two months to solve and runners and, um, you know, it, it, was, it was just a very hard time. Now, I do have to also tell you the story because Jacob is a sweet, seven, almost 17 year old now heart of gold, just really, really sweet. He still has some strong-willed tendencies. Um, I won't say that everything's gone and perfect and over, um, but he also has a great compassion and a great love and a great, uh, a lot of helpfulness and just a lot of um, really great, great character qualities. Just really well-liked and really um, just able to to serve other people and just a lot of, a lot of really great things. But, um, he had all these behaviors, like I said, throwing food, screaming, throwing the, the silverware down, um, refusing to eat what we made all the time, just refusing to eat. And, um, so we had the runner and, uh, the kids later on would tell him stories and, um, they would say things like, you know, when you were little, you were so bad that you had to have a runner, you know, and they would tell him how, how bad his high chair behavior was and how he would say no. And, and they remembered a lot of these things. It was, it was, I think they remembered it because we were extremely into to parenting and our older kids had been through some parenting training with us, a parenting seminar training, um, because when they babysat or when they were with the kids, we wanted them to, to handle things the same way that we did. Um, we really, really do not believe in giving responsibility without authority. So to just leave a, leave an older child with younger kids without 
helping them learn what to do in situations. They never were able to spank or, or anything. They could only put the children in a crib, um, to when the, if their behaviors were, were bad, but, um, you know, we did want them to know, do we wanted them to have authority with their responsibility? But at any rate, so they would tell him, you know, you were so bad. You had to be, you had to have a runner and they would say different things to him. And so he knew, and, and some of his things were legendary, you know, some of his behaviors, (laughs) I mean, you know, they just stuck in people's minds. I can remember our, um, Oh, I'm thinking that she was 10 when he was uh, little, uh, our third child. I can just remember her crying and, and saying, and I, and I, what's wrong? Uh, I'm so afraid that Jakey's going to grow up and be a brat, you know, and he was, she was just crying because she just wanted him to be sweet and she didn't want him to have bad behavior and she didn't want him to get in trouble all the time. She was, uh, we always called her Millie Mercy. Her name was Cammie, is Cammie. We called her Millie Mercy. She's the mother of my grandbaby now. And, um, so they would tell him all these things. So when Jacob was 10, he came to me and said, um, mommy, I'm really sorry that I had such bad behavior when I was little. And, you know, I said, oh, Jacob, you know, you didn't know, you know, it's not your fault. You, you didn't know what you were doing. You were just a toddler. And, and I'm sure that you, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't want to have that behavior now, you know, if, if you could do it all, you know, if you could do it, if you had control over it. And he said, well, I know that, but I'm just really sorry that I put everybody through so much trouble. And, just that's that's the kind of heart he has but you know he was you know as a 10 year old was genuinely sorry that he had been so strong-willed and that um and he did remember some things like sleeping on a little mat on our floor bedroom floor he had to do that for a long time because he wouldn't stay in the bed and he wouldn't quit screaming and throwing things out at his brothers I mean you know we're talking just typical strong-willed child behaviors that had to be dealt with so anyway he had all these high chair behaviors so one was throwing food and um, the problem with high chair behaviors for a toddler, there are a couple problems, but one of them is definitely the fact that you don't want him to be gone from the meal all the time because he'll never learn to sit in the high chair. And uh, number two, the other problem is that like what our pediatrician would say, and I know many pediatricians would say the same thing, if he doesn't want to eat, he doesn't get to eat. And then the next meal he'll eat. Well, the problem with that is that that doesn't always work. And so then you have a hungry toddler and, you know, I just, I just can't bear to think about that, you know. So if the whole idea that our pediatrician recommends, you know, that this is his meal, if he doesn't eat it, save it, you know, in the refrigerator, cover it up, and then the next meal, give it to him then, you know, if that works, great. If that doesn't work, then, um, you know, I would be more inclined to say, you know, if he doesn't want to eat it, then cover it. And then in a half an hour, maybe try to feed it to him again, but try the exact same thing so that he knows he has to eat what, what you have. Um, and I, I believe with that method that he will eat that food when he is hungry. And then you're not, you know, waiting until the next meal to feed him anything when he wouldn't eat 
the previous meal. So that's me personally. Maybe, you know, you would be more comfortable following our pediatrician's advice to just wait until the next meal. But um, I think a lot of things happen that, you know, toddlers can't always tell us when they're hungry. Now my grandson goes around, eat, 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 eat. So, you know, definitely when they can start saying eat or when you can teach them a couple of signs, sign language, and he can, you know, point to his mouth when he wants to eat. That's really good because, you know, you can get a little better gauge on their hunger. Um, but, uh, I would say yes, use the same food, but try it again in a half an hour or so. Throwing food, um, is another issue. And, um, with that, you are giving the child a, um, a special, um, special treat, so to speak. You're giving him, um, a, a responsibility to be able to, uh, you're giving him a privilege to be able to feed himself finger food. So if you put pieces of banana or, you know, pieces of baked potato or little pieces of meatball or something on his tray, and I highly recommend that you feed him real food, um, uh, real meat, potato, real meat and starches and vegetables and, you know, rather than empty bread and crackers and things. But if you're putting these little foods on his tray, you are giving him the privilege of feeding himself finger foods. If he pushes them off, throws them down, then he has revoked that privilege himself. So clear the tray off and say, you're not going to throw food down. Mommy's going to feed you. And then feed him the food from your finger or with a spoon. And, um, you know, he will learn that if he wants finger foods, he can't throw them. Uh, if the high chair behavior gets out of hand, screaming, throwing fits, throwing spoons, um, you know, refusing to eat and, and, you know, hitting the high chair tray, whatever it might be, then that's when I would recommend a runner for you. Um, because you don't want him to stay at the table in the high chair with the family. That too is a privilege. And so he needs to be taken to his crib and he'll scream and cry probably. And then when he's quiet, bring him back out. We want you to sit at the table, just like um, I uh, um, uh, discussed with uh, our our two-month high chair episode. All right, next I'd like to talk about getting into things. Um, first of all, I'm all about child training. I'm all about toddler training. But I also think that you have to be super, super wise with toddlers. And so while I think we should train them, no, get out of the trash. Come back to mommy. You know that you should train them in expected behaviors. Um, totally, totally believe that. And I've seen it work out in our family's life with seven kids. But you don't take a chance on training working out when it comes to danger. So the first thing before we talk about even just getting into things in general is to cover the electrical sockets, to put the the cleaners and poisons and things up high, to um, to be sure that nothing is harmful. You know, obviously not everything is, but you know, if a bookcase is unsteady, to be sure that it is um, secured to the wall. Uh, just really make things as safe as possible. I, I really think that baby gates are ideal because you can give the child a big space of one room, but not the ability to go everywhere um, where he could get into things. 
uh, just really do everything you can to be as safe as you can. But when we talk about getting into things, um, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, opening the uh, the pots and pans drawers. Now, with our kids, I had one drawer that had Tupperwares, and that was their cupboard, that one cupboard, and they could always get in there. They could get in and pull everything out. They had to, they, I had, I taught them how to put it back in. They could pull everything out and get into the cupboard themselves if they wanted. You know, that was their cupboard, so to speak, and it had something harmless in it, plasticware and things. Um, but with that, this is your cupboard. No, you can't get into that. So the minute he opens the silver drawer or he opens the pots and pans or whatever, then, you know, you go, you go over, you tell him no, um, no, close the drawer. If he doesn't, I would go over and I would take his hand and help him push the drawer closed. And then I would say, no, mommy said no. And then I would pick him up and carry him and put him on your lap for a minute because you want him to be removed you want him to not think that he can just keep on doing that, um, and you want him to physically close the drawer as well. All right, next is uh, talking about fits and temper tantrums, and when it comes to fits and temper tantrums, I, I will say that um, that just like no, we never allowed our children to, tr- to throw fits or temper tantrums. They were always um, isolated, secluded if they did. Um, sometimes tapped on the thighs or the behind just depended on what what the scenario was um but uh fits throwing fits and throwing temper tantrums kind of synonymous there that whole scenario is the best reason of all to try to spend more time at home during the toddler years with your child during the toddler months with your child i mean Honestly, if you would just set aside, and I had a friend who had a terrible, what you would call a terrible two-year-old, and she set aside a couple of weeks, maybe a month to do nothing but teach him not to scream, not to say no, not to throw fits, you know, just to really focus on his training and just to stay home. I don't even think she went to church in those, in those weeks. Just really, really, I am going to turn this around because I want everybody in my family to enjoy him. Now, I guess I want to mention just while I'm talking about that, that the whole concept of toddler training, it is for your toddler. It is to to help him be happy and safe and secure, knowing what is expected and knowing what is what. But it's also for the entire family because I know with my friend, once she turned her toddler's behavior around, his older brother adored his little brother even more. My older kids loved our little kids. And we would say to this day, why did you not mind helping, not parenting? Why did you not mind helping with them? And they would, they say, it's because they obeyed. It's because they were sweet. It's because they were pleasant. It's because you, you made them learn how to obey and you didn't let them do things that, that they shouldn't do and just let it go by. And then nobody wants to be around them because they're always throwing fits and so forth. So really toddler training is just so wonderful for the entire family because it just makes everybody enjoy the toddler so much more. And, um, I mean, obviously we love our kids regardless, but let's face it, older brothers and sisters are very annoyed by, you know, kids who come up and hit him in the head with a uh, Lego block or whatever, and, and rightly so. And so um, it just really, really helps those relationships with the olders and the littles. 
So um, the the idea of, of solving temper tantrums and so forth, those have to be taken care of at home. You know, we talk about, you know, kids throwing fits in the grocery and, and kids throwing fits in church and when you're out in public. But when you train your child not to throw fits and not to to throw temper tantrums at home, it carries over when you're out. So if you have a real big problem with temper tantrums with your child, um, I just recommend, you know, try a three-day, four-day, five-day, whatever, 10-day period of time in which you, you hardly leave, or at least he hardly leaves the house. Maybe, you know, you go get groceries when dad is home or whatever, um, to really focus on turning that around. Because you don't have to have a an 18-month-old, a 2-year-old, 3-year-old, 4-year-old who screams when he doesn't get his own way. It doesn't have to be that way at all. It can be wonderful. It can just be like, no, you can't have that today. And they can just say, okay. And and it can just be great. And the next time you might, you know, you might say, yes. You know, you 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 never throw fits when you ask for something. You can pick out, you know, a box of crackers or whatever it is at the store. Um, but handling temper tantrums is has to be done at home. It's you really can't handle them out in public very well. We um, did spank for temper tantrums, which is always shocking because it just makes the temper tantrum escalate. Um, but we would we'd spank and then put in the crib until he was quiet, and you know we just would not allow him to throw himself on the floor to scream to to do whatever um, the tantrum might might cause. Now with my friend her little guy was a little bit older he was over two and so she would take him to his crib and tell him that when he got quiet she was coming back for his spanks and um when he got quiet then he then he was spanked um but you know that takes a great deal of comprehension so i don't recommend that at at too young of an age um he was well over two and had really good comprehension and he knew what he was doing but um we would just tap their their diaper or their thighs sometimes with a little wooden spoon no we don't throw fits you do not act that way and carry him to the bed all right not coming when called or not getting out of something when you tell him to this is where that high five test is really really crucial because you want to be able to say you know i know you understand me get out of the trash come to mommy now um, I really recommend that you listen to, it has a, some of the same information, but um, this is dealing more specifically with tr- with different problems, and that is a little bit uh, more broad uh, stroke of, in terms of, of one-year-olds. The other, the other the previous one, a few weeks ago, was called uh, What to Do with a Wonderful One-Year-Old, and um, uh, on there I talk about something that's really important in this, in terms of saying no or having him come, you, you telling him no, get out of something, and then asking for him to come. Um, and that is uh, the rhyme, don't say no unless you'll go. So when it comes to a toddler, don't tell him no or get out of something unless you're going to go, unless you're willing to go take care of it if he doesn't. All right. I would even take that one step further and just don't ever say anything. Don't ever make any command at all. Don't say bring mommy your coat if you don't really care if he does it or not. Just go get it yourself unless you are going to punish him for not bringing it to you. Um, Also along the same line, um, 
is that we did not ask our children. You know, we have this, this, you know, whole, you know, you don't want to hurt their psyches. You want their self-esteem, you know, to be intact and, and which is great. And we have these amazing kids with amazing self-esteem, you know, and they were told no all the time. So, um, and we told them what to do. We didn't ask them. And the reason that we did that is because when you ask a child to do something, can, would you bring that to mommy? Would you give that, even with my grandson, if I say, would you give Nana a kiss and he doesn't want to, then that's fine. I give him the freedom to not give me a kiss. But if I say, hand that remote control to Nana and he doesn't, I haven't asked him. I've told him and he has to obey me. When you ask a child of any age, not just toddlers, but all ages, when you ask a child to do something, you are giving the child the option of not doing it. You're essentially giving the child the option of saying no. And if he says no, or if he chooses not to do it, you have no, uh, you have no way of handling it. You have no answer to that because you can't discipline him if you ask him. So even though there is a lot of parenting advice out there to ask your children kindly, you know, would you, would you take out the trash? If he says no, then you have to take out the trash and you have to just be okay with him saying no because you just asked him if he wanted to or if he would. So when it comes to not coming when he's called or not getting out of something, um, don't say no unless you'll go. And then go. Go pull him out of it. Like I said, push the drawer shut. You know, hold him on your lap. You have to do what Nana says. Um my grandson wouldn't come when my husband was calling him to be put in his high chair. And I started to pick him up and bring him over to Ray. And he said, no, back up. And so I backed up with Jason. And now he said, come to Papa. And I kind of, you know, gave him a little encouragement, a little nudges towards Papa. It was only a couple of feet. And, and then Ray reached out and grabbed him so that he had to come to Papa. Because we don't want to tell them to do something and then just to let them not do it. So either don't say no unless you'll go and don't say something unless you want them to do it and you're willing to take care of it if he doesn't do it. So that is all I have tonight about toddler troubles. And I hope that this has been a help to you. And I just want to really give you my heart for parenting and my heart for parenting all ages of children, is to be able to train them in whatever stage they're in, in contentment, in cheerfulness, in obedience, in kindness, in respect, and so that they can grow up to be these amazing adults that have those character qualities. My heart is to be able to train our children at each stage to to have the kind of character and to display the types of behaviors that are pleasing to God as we try to raise them in Christian homes and that also cause everybody around them to enjoy them. Your very, very best benchmark for your child's behavior is first of all, if your other children enjoy that child. And second of all, if the grandchildren enjoy your child. So this is Donna Reesh signing off with another Wondering Wednesday podcast episode, What to Do About Toddler Troubles. And please check us out, Character Inc. blog. We have 
categories there, raising kids with character, raising teens with character, raising toddlers with character, uh, that you can click on those categories and get tons and tons of blog posts um, about all of the different topics that we that we have written there. We speak about 50 different topics, both in our parenting seminar, Raising Kids with Character. It's a complete seminar that we do for Christians uh, in churches and in small groups, uh, communities, and so forth. And then we also do homeschooling workshops uh, that are specific to homeschoolers. So check us out, Character Inc., and thank you for joining me.